The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 292. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in to another episode. Today on the show, I've got a good friend of mine named Sean Van Dyke. Now, you've probably never heard of him. He's an entrepreneur. He's a guy that really understands leadership. Sean signed up for one of my mastermind groups, and I was always struck by the one-on-one conversations that Sean and I have had off mic, if you will, about leadership. And um, I just thought, man, this would be a great guy to capture a conversation because he totally gets it. I really love Sean's view on leadership. He's in the he started his career in the construction uh, business, uh, designing buildings. He's got a couple of degrees in engineering, and um, he left the desk job, started working out in the field, and was was kind of a project manager for a while. And then he got into the real estate development side of the house. And anyway, eventually became a chief operations officer for a especially contracting company. And through that effort, he decided he found through an opportunity of helping some construction guys, guys who kind of went off on their own and had their own construction business or contracting business, kind of showed them how to run a business. And that's what he does. That's his specialty. He shows construction skilled trade professionals how to not just make a living, but to run a world class business. And at the heart of that, it's common sense leadership. And Sean gets it. And you'll really enjoy this conversation. There's a lot of similarities I found in the construction business, in the military, and running any kind of operation that has to deal with a chaotic environment. And man, construction is one of those environments. Please check out Legacy Leader Blueprint. If you're looking to uh, learn a little bit more about leadership and become a better leader yourself, you can check out my new product, my online video course, coupled with some one-on-one coaching with me at LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Check it out and reach out to me. All right, without further ado, here's my good friend, Sean Van Dyke on Dose of Leadership. Well, Sean, it's great to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, Richard, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to uh, to get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, you know, you've been a, a great um, a friend and participant in some of my masterminds. We've, we've become uh, friends since, uh, I think it was November when we connected. Was that about right? I seemed like it was about right before Thanksgiving. I was on a trip and I was in Los Angeles and we were talking on the phone and you signed up for one of my courses. And Yeah. Well, it, yeah. And even before, even before that I had, it's just amazing to me to be on, on this podcast because this is, uh, this podcast has been part of what I would say the resources that I've used to develop my own leadership, uh, and, and, and other things in my business. And so it, just the power of social media and and podcasts is following you. Been a big fan. Reached out to you, you know. Got uh, swapped some emails with you, 
had an opportunity to sign up for your course. And then I found myself learning from, you know, uh, from one of my, uh, from one of my heroes of leadership and that relationship continued and we've talked several times since then and it led to this. So yeah, yeah it, it, it uh, is amazing, I, right? The power of the social media and, and having yeah, the show and, and that's, that's one. So one of the great benefits I've had of doing this podcast, I've met so many great people like yourself. And so, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Were you going to add something else? Oh, I say, yeah, all in six months. Yeah, yeah all in six, six months. months that's right. Well, and the reason why I brought you on the show is because we've had so many great conversations about leadership, and I appreciate your style. I appreciate your kind of um, kind of addition to the leadership universe, and I've always appreciated uh, what you're doing on on your side. And so, I thought it would be a fun conversation to have you on this show. And again, even though you're not the Steve Forbes, you're not the the author, you're a hustler, entrepreneur. Just like myself, um, I think your your kind of concepts of leadership is is something to be to be highlighted. So again, it, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate you saying that. And that's you know for a for a I don't know hard nosed construction guy <laughs> right. like myself. That's my you know that's my background. So we'll get into that. Um, to hear you say something like that is uh, is just very humbling. Um, but what I've realized is you know even even in industry um, like construction and, and and other things, is that leadership is so important at every level in every business, whether you're, you know, Fortune 500 company or you're a small mom and pop shop, you know, working out of your garage. There's there's um, there's so there's so much to be gained from having the right the right vision for what leadership can do for your business. So I, I'm just, again, just super excited to be here. Well, I always contend that the constr- of all the industries, and, and you're right, leadership is for everyone, it's for every industry. It's not specific to any one group or any one kind of vocation. But I do think construction um, is, there's such a ripe opportunity for leadership. Or let me rephrase that, is that the benefits of effective leadership are probably more stark or more apparent, I think, in a construction project project than than because it's a, it's it's a little bit more immediate. It's a little more, um, how do I say it, in your face because of the of the time constraints. I think does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say because yeah, the- and and I think that um, I think it makes a good comparison here to like the military because I, you know, listen to you and your story, and it was always really surprising to me to hear you talk about the Marine Corps as one of the most loving, you know, organizations, uh, for lack of a better term, that that you were involved in, and I find that the same way in construction. But for those of us on the outside, we, you know, we only, you know, we. We only know what we, you know, kind of what we think we see, what what's in the movies or this very disciplined, you know, structured environment. And so we don't uh, equate those things with with love necessarily. But when you're, you know, when you're working around, a, you know, a group of of skilled tradesmen and women and you're creating stuff with your hand with with your hands and, and you got passion for your, you know, for your trade and your craft and you throw the time constraints on that and money constraints, um, just, just hard nosed leadership yelling in your face is not going to ever, you're not going to be successful there. It's, it's about caring for people and building them up. And that way, when you're up against those time constraints, they'll, they'll put out the fires for you. They'll, they'll, uh, give you their Herculean efforts to, to get the job done or stay late. Um, and you just don't get that 
um, you're not going to get that from, from people that, uh, you're just, you know, barking orders at. Yeah. The, the kind of comparison of the military is, is an apt one. And as you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, that's what maybe I was trying to say the time constraint thing for sure, but it is a lot like the military or anything complex is where you've got, you know, the, the higher echelons of leadership, if you will, coming up with the plans and the strategy. And literally you have plans when you're in the construction business, but because it's so dynamic and because it's so chaotic and asymmetric, it really is. When you think about construction, I mean, it, it is never, you're always kind of dealing with chaos and there's always going to be the inevitable unforeseen. I mean, my gosh, all of us that have been involved in construction projects, either as a buyer or as a producer, we realize that something is always going to happen. And if you know, we can watch HDTV and watch any of those thousands flipping shows and you'll see, right? That's the drama. That's why there's so many of them, right? Because there's yeah. always something. And yeah. that's the opportunity for leadership because, and you're right. And I've seen good and bad in the construction side where you've got the foreman who uh, everything goes through him and or her. And it's just, it never works, right? And you're micromanaging. And it, it seems to me, and tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, that the ideal construction environment, and if I'm one of those guys in the front line, you know, making, you know, putting it together, my God, I would hope I would have some freedom, a defined sandbox where I can be completely autonomous and make decisions and ask for forgiveness. As long as I know what the overall intent is, that to me seems like that's how complex construction, that's how Golden Gate Bridges and Hoover Dams get built. It's not through this command and control kind of uh beat him over the head with a wiffle ball bat right i mean am i right or yeah, that, am i right that's, that's exactly right and, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, folks in construction really struggle with the micromanaging part because they the way that you learn construction um and, and for a lot of construction companies out there they're they're small businesses and they're created from a, a craftsman and I'm going to use, you know, it's a male dominated, it's a male dominated, um, um, industry. So I, I'm not meaning to be sexist here. If I refer to as guys and men, there's oh, certainly a lot of women in the yeah. trades too. But, um, when I say craftsmen, you know, they start out as craftsmen and then they decide they have this, you know, uh, entrepreneurial spasm that they want to go out on their own and do it for them, do it for themselves. And so they grow up this, this small business. But the problem is, is they, they will have this experience where no one, no one can do it better than them. No one can do it faster than them. Well, that really limits them and their ability to grow their business. And I, and, but they don't, they may not necessarily be aware of that. And it's the, it's the construction business owner that does become aware of, of that fact that, Hey, um, nobody can do it as good as I can, or nobody can do it as fast as I can. But I'll never get anywhere unless I if I don't teach somebody or lead someone else to do that. So like what you were saying about the boundaries, I, I talk a lot with my clients that really are struggling with how do they get to the next level in their business. And I read this in some book somewhere. And I thought it was a really good, uh, really good analogy. If you imagine um, you imagine a, uh, uh, a school that is, let's say, 50 feet from a very busy highway. Right. And a teacher is is responsible for the safety of the children. And they and the playground is in this area between the school and this busy highway. And they go out to play 
the the teacher's going to be very nervous and, and going to be really stressed out because she's going to she or he's going to keep the students the children really close to the building because she doesn't want them to get run over right right and 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 juxtapose that vision of that little uh, of that situation there to same school same 50 feet in between the school and the and the busy highway and the playground in between but now you've got a fence around the playground right and so now the teacher can let the students go out and roam and have fun and do the things that kids do and the stress level is is way down for the teacher and the kids are having a lot more fun and all you have to do is you just got to maintain the fence right? right right and and the same sort of thing applies to a lot of businesses and especially in construction is to say okay let's erect some boundaries here and just let your people work within them if they know what the boundaries are of their job or their skill level or whatever then you can actually get more done in your business by letting them work within the boundaries that you've, that you've established. And I think that that's one, one big step for a lot of uh, construction business owners, especially is to kind of recognize this and say, all right, you actually create freedom with, by establishing some boundaries for your, for your employees. That's a great analogy. And it's so true. I mean, because think of the time and energy and resources spent on trying to herd the 50 kids to, to stay away from the highway. Well, let's take some, a little bit of time, a little energy and resources, which doesn't take a much, but let's set some expectations and boundaries and turn them loose. You're absolutely right. And then maybe it's just a matter of spending one or two people to get close, you know, kind of stand by the fence or at least let them know as they get closer to it, you know? And so it just becomes that much more easier um, yeah, you think you're, you're, you're creating a restriction, but you're actually creating more freedom and you're releasing the burden upon yourself because that's, you're exactly right. Where leaders fail in an organization typically is they keep inserting themselves lower and lower because we're trying to keep everybody away from the highway. But if we just took the time to focus on expectations and communicating the expectations, I can't tell you, you're absolutely right. I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with and coach them is like, just simply start telling, you know, lay out your expectations from day one yeah. and communicate them and over communicate them. And it's yes. something you can, o- po- yes, yeah. over communicate them. That's absolutely because when you over communicate your expectations, what you're actually doing is providing clarity. Absolutely. It's absolutely crystal clear when you repeat something. And it's not, again, it's not re- repetitive to, for repetitive sake. It's repetitive because that's, that's where clarity um, and, and really culture comes from like, how does a business operate? Well, this is the way we do things here. How did you get to do those things? How is it, how is it so ingrained in everybody within here? We just repeated it again and again and again. And I don't even think you can, I don't even think you can over communicate the intent or the, the expectations. I really don't. And it becomes, you're right. And it, to your point, as you keep doing it over and over, it becomes so ingrained that that becomes the culture. And that's what people tend to to miss. And to your point of where the tradesman who's really good at whatever says, I can do this better myself, I'm going to start my own business. You're absolutely right. The skills that got you to this point, whatever successful skills they were, aren't the skills that are going to take you to the next level. And I think that's that's what leaders have to understand just because you're a good salesman or you're a good tradesman or you're a good framer or whatever the case may be, doesn't mean you're going to be good at managing the whole or leading the whole project. It's a different skill set. And, um, so yes, I think it's important that you have those skills and that got you to the, to the dance, right? 
but if you're going to take yeah. it to the next level, you know, you have to be good at something that the talent is the given part, but there's something else that has to be end of the play. If it's going to be a sustainable, successful business or significant life. And that's the leadership piece. That's what we're talking about. And so it's, it's a, it's a willingness to kind of make sure that, um, that you're, well, I think the overwhelmness where people get overwhelmed and leaders is like I said, that they think they, they try to treat the leadership piece like a skill trade or something or a skill set, which meaning there's a checklist for everything. And really what they should do is be focusing on communicating and taking care of folks. Does that make sense? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really, again, it's just about, it's about communication and, and providing, um, providing clarity and just realizing that, you know, again, I work with a lot of, a lot of companies and they express a lot of frustration about their employees and, and saying, well, why, why do we keep having this issue? And a lot of times, you know, it comes from the, the problem, again, this growth cycle that I see a problem that, that comes is they have some success early on as their companies are growing because the company is small enough that this, again, it's speaking in the construction industry, um, the craftsman led, uh, business owner model, as you get three or four people that working around you, they learn about you by osmosis right. because they're around the owner. They pick up the habits and they're probably good habits, maybe some bad habits, but in general, um, the, the owner of the company or the leader in the company doesn't have to articulate much because Every time, you know, the leader or the owner, you know, walks into a room, the air changes, right? They may not be aware of it, uh, but people react and, and make decisions and do certain things when you're always around the owner or you're always around the leader. But as a company grows and you bring on more people and bring on more teams, you can't, you know, there's not enough time in the day and there's not enough, you don't have enough room on your head to put all the different hats on. So you, you don't. You can't, your people can't learn by osmosis anymore. And then I deal with a lot of, a lot of uh, business owners that say, well, here's this, here's this problem that we're having. We're, we're, we're really struggling with our people to get them to perform in this way. And it comes down to, well, how are you communicating to, you know, with them and saying, what is your meeting schedule? Um, how often do they get to touch base with you? And it's just kind of news to them because they're like, well, we've never really had to do a tactical meeting before. I was just talking with a, a potential client about this today and laying out these kind of strategies. You know, we, we've never done a tactical meeting. We've never done a huddle meeting. And we've never and, and it's like, yeah, you didn't have to when it was just you and, and three people because all the information was was around you. And now you've grown and your people are struggling, not because they're. Uh, malicious or they're not good people. They're just, they just don't know. They don't have the information Yeah, they don't and, have the clarity. Um, and yeah. they're making things up um, based on what they think is, um, is good for the company, but they've never been taught what is good for the company. And, and that's one, one thing that I've always said is that the culture of your company is based upon what your employees think. Right. And it may not be a bad, it, it may not be, like I said, it's not malicious the way they think, but what they think may be wrong because they don't have the information. And if you've got a bunch of, you've got a bunch of employees that where their thinking is, is misaligned with the company goals, guess what? That's your culture. That's yeah. your mission. Yeah. 
matter what plaques on the wall or the owner thinks is the culture of the company, um, it's really about what your employees think. And so the only way to change that way of thinking, which again is a behavior, is constant communication and constant clarity, letting them know not only how do we get from point A to point B, but why we want to even go to point B in the first place. Yeah, that's the point. That's you're exactly right. Those are such salient points. And in the alignment or the clarity is important, but the piece you're talking about there, that last thing you just mentioned is why we're doing it. That's the alignment piece. And so I would say that the alignment and the clarity are the things that have to happen simultaneously. And you're absolutely right. I think that as owners and you're growing and and it sneaks up on all of us and, and we've all been through it. The fact that if we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, then people are going to make something up on their own. Right. And so the owners are yeah. going to be saying, well, why, why are they doing this? Well, cause they don't have the alignment and the clarity on where we're taking this business. I can't tell you how many times and how much, I think the number one job, the number one priority of leaders, particularly senior leaders of an organization, and I mean this with, and people think, oh, it's all about the tactics. I really think that you cannot over-communicate, like I said, where we're taking the ship and why it's heading that way. That Mm -hmm. needs to be, every decision in the organization needs to point back to that. And if you don't know what that is, then then you're going to struggle. If you can have something, it's funny this morning when I, had a meeting with a friend and a client that I've had for a couple of years and he's a CEO of an organization and they've had rapid growth over the last three years. They've gone from 300 employees to over 1100 in the last three years. Oh, wow. And we've talked about it. In fact, we were talking about it just, you know, that meeting I was late to you that I called you if we could push this interview back 30 minutes right. because I was talking with him and he, he mentioned that exact same thing. He said the thing that really changed it for him was he stopped, and especially in this rapid growth phase, is that everything that he does, whether it's ordering, you know, do we need op- increase the office supply budget to do we purchase this resort and everything in between, <laughs> you know, he points it back to the litmus test of his mission, vision, and values of why are we doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And in every conversation, he says, even in his tactical morning meetings, he references something about their purpose and why they're doing what they're doing. And I think that's great. And he says he sees the changes. He's a, he went from being focusing on the tactical to focusing on that communication piece that you're talking about. And that's when he said he noticed the difference. He said he, he couldn't have grown without having that mindset shift. Yeah, that's right. You know, you can't, um, you, it's one, it's one thing to kind of, to get that and say, okay, you know, there's a culture thing happening here. There's a mission. We need some, we need some alignment and, and you start working on those things. And it's a lot of hard work, Oh yeah. Um, especially if you're, if you're realizing you got to change your culture a little bit, you care for your people, you don't want to let them go, but there may be some people that, you know, now that you kind of have some clarity about what, you know, how to get there, they may not, you know, they may not, you know, they, they may not belong on the bus anymore, but, but, a lot of times uh, I find that business owners will, they'll kind of get swamped or, or overwhelmed with the idea of, cause it's really hard. It's really hard to, to come up with, um, with that mission, you know, one that's effective. Well, yeah. And the why you're doing it, you're right. And the why that you do it, it takes a lot of hard work. It's not it, that it easy. Takes, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time, but if you get it right, um, th- and that's what, that's what my point is, is, 
you know, when it comes to training people on your culture, um, it's the it's the CEO's job or the owner's job to do that. Um, but once you do it and you do it well and you've got your, you know, in a construction company, let's say your, your lead people, your managers, your foreman, your superintendents, once you get once you get them trained, it's not just trained on the, the mission and the culture and the vision. It's how to train others because then that's where you really, as the owner of a company, get some relief from the regular cycle is you don't have to train anybody else, right? You, your employees are going to train the next employees. Yeah. That's when you've got the culture, right? And so they get overwhelmed saying, oh my gosh, I've got to train everybody down to you know, my apprentices and, and that kind of stuff. And, and that's true. You, 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 know, you should be available for that. But the way that it works is once you start training your people, then when new people come on board, they're the ones that start learning the culture by osmosis. And yep. then when they ask, why do we do this around here? It's not you, the owner or the CEO of the company that has to answer those questions, right? It's going to be the next, you know, the next level up or someone's, you know, direct port, report. And you're going to, you know, you're going to start hiring people, bring them on and you're going to turn around and go, gosh, we get really got some great people. I remember when we used to struggle with this. And it's because all of your other employees are living out this culture. They're actually training them the way that you used to train somebody by osmosis. Now, again, that that's not sustainable. That's why you, as the owner of a company, then it becomes your job just to keep working on the vision, keep working on the culture. And we're back to that repetitive. You can't over communicate enough. But yeah. there is there is a break. There is some there is some relief there for the owner of a company that you don't always have to do the training. You're always responsible for casting the vision and, and, and pushing that forward. But your people will gladly take on that responsibility and um, and and help because it's going to those are the people that are going to be directly under them. Right. So they're yep. going to train them in in that mission and vision and culture. Well said. And in so many great points that you brought up there and it, it's it's the whole reason why any organization that particularly is large and is sustainable and has a lot of legs and a legacy to it, they've understood that piece. I mean, culture, it eats strategy for lunch every single day. I mean, you can sit there and plan all your strategy and come up with these, but if you don't have the culture right, it ain't worth nothing. And I think that, you know, you already have a culture. I think first and foremost, you know, that word gets bandied around a lot. I think it's first, you have to understand regardless of whether you try or not, you have a culture. But the challenge yep. is, is like, how do you, how do you shape it to what you want it to be? And it starts, like you said, with that constant communication about where we're taking this and why we're taking it this way. And eventually it becomes that osmosis. And you said it so well, when it gets to the point where you're training everyone, the cult, part of that culture should be implicit or explicit of training everyone to think and act like a leader. And that's exactly what you mean when you were talking about, okay, now these folks are training these other folks, you know, the transformational leadership aspect becomes ingrained inside the entire organization. It takes a lot of work, but I'm telling you, that's the only way that you can sustain uh, growth or leave a lasting legacy. Because it, I think if everybody within the organization, particularly the leaders at the top, but if it eventually it gets to the point where I need to effectively make myself useless that should be the mentality. Yeah. And people say, what do you mean make yourself useless? And like, look, that is, there's nothing more, um, or there's nothing more healthy and nothing more, 
um, positive than if a leader can essentially make themselves dispensable. And yeah. everybody's afraid of that because they think, well, what's next? Well, no, that means you've got a healthy growth culture and everybody kind of moves up when you make yourself dispensable in your, in your role, everybody rises. That's, that's the magic of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I'll spot, I'll speak to specifically how, what this means for, you know, for construction companies in the next 10 years. The, the problem is, is that, that right now, uh, in general, um, construction, um, is recovered or, or is recovering. And we're starting to see, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of growth in the construction industry, not only in residential, but also, you know, commercial, uh, commercial as well. The problem is, is that we don't have the, the, the people with the technical skills and the training to be carpenters, plumbers, electricians, the, the average age of a tradesperson is like, I think it's like 55. Right. They're just not they're, you know, they're phasing out and they're not being, they're not being replaced. And so what I work with a lot of my clients and, and do teachings and trainings on with them too, is saying, listen, you don't, anybody that they always say we have, we're having a lot of trouble finding, um, people, uh, with skills, the skills that we need. And I say, yeah, the people with the skills and the experience and the attitude that you want, they already have a job. So you, you aren't going to find them. You're going to have to recruit them. And that's a little bit more difficult. Well, when you get into recruiting someone, uh, as we as we know, you might have talked about this on the sh- on the show before, is that money is not necessarily the right. main motivator right. for most people. In fact, it's like third or fourth on the list. So money's not going to solve the problem. Right. You have to you have to give them something else. And when you look at studies that have been done on the you know, on the millennials that are that are coming up they're they're a little bit disenfranchised from from their college educations that they got because they're that it's not, you know, they they're not. Well, I don't want to go off on a complete tangent here on on um, on the value of certain, you know, certain college educations or whatever and the lack of experience. But all that to say is. The, the leadership part is you've got to you've got to appeal to um, if you want to win in the construction industry, you've got to appeal to people's sense of uh, of opportunity and growth and learning. And these are things that, you know, oh, we, we always was able to turn around and find somebody that had the skills and we plug them in and then we're you know, we're off to work. Well, that just it's not possible. The, that yeah. that skilled labor force is not out there. So since we can't find them, you either have to recruit them or you have to create them. The way that you create them is say, okay, we're willing to take someone with little or no experience in this you know specific trade, but here is the path. Here's here's where you're going to go, and so that they can see themselves in your company for the for the, you know for the foreseeable future. Like I didn't imagine myself going into construction, but if I if I do these things and go along this path, then this could be a really lucrative career for me. And I certainly know I don't want the office job that I just that I just left. Uh, I, I think I want to do something with my hands. So the construction companies that are going to win over the next ten years, leadership is really what they're going to be selling. Yeah, it's a, I love that you said that. It really resonated with me what you were saying, and I think it's a hell of an opportunity for any construction company that's trying to turn it on its head because the tried and true. You know, or the method. I don't know if they're how true they were, but the methods that we're so used to and the perceptions that we have about the construction industry, 
and that, and that goes for any industry, but particularly, I, I, I see this. I see this clearly in the construction industry. I mean, you could really make something unique and special because people are hungry to be part of something special and unique. They they're hungry to be part of something bigger than themselves, and cons- the construction industry is ripe for that opportunity because, man, what more satisfaction can you get? The tangible results that you get from a construction job is real. It's tantamount, you know, mm-hmm. and I think people are hungry for it. However, they look at it thinking, oh, there, there's there's no path for me. There's no growth. It's looked down upon maybe. It's a blue-collar job, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think, you know, and Mike Rose tapping into this with his his initiative, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, if I was a construction owner, I think there'd be a hell of an opportunity. I wouldn't look at this lack of um, skill set with fear. I would look at it as a hell of an opportunity because you could grab, hell, you could grab even some of those, I'm not kidding, some middle guys have a middle-aged crisis who thought, man, I was supposed to be a lawyer because that's what my parents wanted me to be and that's what's going to make me all the money. I mean, you could get millennials to middle-aged guys to restart their careers. I believe that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen, um, guys leave other careers, um, just because, you know, because the, uh, you know, the lifestyle that comes with some other careers too is pretty unsustainable. Right. And, uh, sure. They may be making a little bit less money in, uh, in starting out in construction, um, but they bring, you know, they bring so many other skill set to it. So it's just, it's just like, okay, I got to get up to speed on my technical skills as far as, uh, as far as construction is concerned. But you know, you you gotta you gotta realize that there that people um, that people are gonna have a lot of a lot of things to bring to to bring to your company. If you have a way to train them on the technical aspect of it, then you're going to win. Because in, in ten years, so and I'm glad that you brought up Mike Rowe. It's a great, it's a great, um, great example. You know what he's what he's talking about is education. You know, getting getting kids uh, and and young adults to pursue education in the trades. And I'm kind of on the other on, on the other side of that, saying, "Yep, that's absolutely what we need." But where are they going to go work? You right. got to have these companies right. that are that are ready to lead these people, lead these young, uh, you know, young people. Say, great, you got the technical skills, good. Foot's in the door. Here's where you're going to go, and they got to be running, you know, profitable businesses. The sad thing is, most construction businesses never make a profit, and a lot of them go out of business within three years, right? And so it's like, great, we are going to have. It's going to be um, micro. And the folks at, like, for example, Fine Home Building, uh, I'm a brand ambassador for them too, so I'll, you know, put that plug in there. But they're really pushing, like, you know, um, uh, keep craft alive and and bringing bringing back the trades. But the problem is, where are all these, you know, where are all these people going to go Great to work? Point. They need yep. to go work for profitable businesses. How can you run a profitable business? Well, you got to get people in and show them a path and give them some opportunities to grow. And because in ten years. 12 years, it's going to be popular again. Uh, the government will get involved and will provide more money, right? And then we'll have the supply for the skilled trades back up, right? And it's that it's at that point when if you spent the, you know, if you spend the next 10 years pouring into your people, pouring into your culture, leading them well, establishing training programs from within, you know, within your own company, then you get the cream of the crop when the supply finally meets the demand and then you ride off into the sunset and can finally retire and or go into your exit strategy or whatever. Right. 
Great point. And I love that you brought that up because, and that's really what I was trying to say is that that's the opportunity for the leader out there. If I was starting a construction company or if I'm in one that's kind of fledgling, if you focus on that, like you're talking about, that's going to, that's going to put you so far ahead of every other Tom, Dick and Harry construction company out there. That's the opportunity. If you focus, if you understand the leadership side of it and you get the culture right, you're going to be unstoppable because people are yeah. people are going to want to come. Number one, come want to work for you, and they're not going to want to leave. And that I just that I see that crystal clear. And I just I love that you're kind of on the forefront of that and, and helping organizations do that. That's just great stuff. Yeah, those, those the the so I hear a lot. You know, how do we find these guys? You you know, or gals? Um, you you know, if we can't find them, then you got to create them. And if you can come up with a system and leadership is, is at the, that, that, that's what every, everything else that, you know, in-house training and the human resources and continuing education and all of this stuff, it all falls under leadership. And that, that gets into, it gets into the culture. If you can figure that out now, right. And I mean like right now and do the hard work over the next six months, to even just sketch out a rough outline of what it looks like. What does le- what does the leadership path look like for every position in your company? And you can start working on that and get that figured out and get your people and your organization through that. And again, I think that that same mind, that that same kind of rough sketch of leadership applies to all businesses. Then um, then you're just going to set yourself up for when when. Uh, great opportunities when things become a little bit easier or the market changes or whatever, and you've got that, you know, you've got that system of leadership in place, then you're just going to, it's just going to either propel you or you'll be able to scale up whatever that business is because you've got, you're super deep now in this leadership, you know, training. I love it, man. This is such a fun conversation. How can people find you? Um, Certainly I can see in the construction side where people could uh, use someone like you to to help them on this path, how can people get in touch with you? What do you, what do you want from them? Yeah, they, they can, uh, they can check out my website, uh, Sean Van Dyke.com and that's S H A W N Van Dyke, V A N D Y K E.com. Uh, my, my email is, uh, connect C O N N E C T at Sean Van Dyke.com. I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, just hook up with me on on any of those uh, on any of those channels. I've got if you go to my website. They can I've got a free uh, ebook. It's the, uh, the called the Paperwork Punch List: How to Streamline Your Construction Business in 28 Days. They can sign up for that. That gets them on my email list, and I send them a whole lot of other valuable information on just how to how to get your construction business in line and, uh, and making money so that we can do, you know, so that you can afford to do these leadership things, exactly what we're talking about. So that would be a great way. Just going to my website, Matt. I love it, Sean. What a great conversation. Like you said, I, I I'm so uh, happy and proud to have you in my circle and proud to call you a friend. And, uh, I'm so glad you came on the show to share this insight. I'd love to have you back on the show and talk about some other things, uh, from fear to overcoming, um, limiting beliefs, all that kind of stuff. We, I just really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Richard, uh, thank you so much, uh, for inviting me on and I look forward to, uh, uh, to hopping on here again with you. All right, Sean, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. 
fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.